Welcome to another thrilling episode on Book TV. But before we dive in, let's talk about enhancing your reading experience with novel nutrition. As you lose yourself in today's story, imagine supporting your journey with our unique supplements, specially crafted for readers like you. Whether it's boosting focus with Epic, unwinding with Read, or energizing with Zip Strips, Novel Nutrition is here to complement each chapter of your literary adventure. Visit novelnutrition.co or click the link in the show notes, and don't forget to use code BOOKTV for an exclusive 20% discount. Now, let's immerse ourselves in the magic of today's story. Primordial Earth, Book 2. Written by Bailey Higgins. Audiobook produced by Book TV. Support many more free audiobooks when you buy book boosters from our main sponsor, Novel Nutrition. Use code BOOKTV for an exclusive 20% off at novelnutrition.co. And did we mention that we formulated these just for you? Chapter 1. Moran. Moran leaned against the rough wooden table with both hands gripping the edges. On top lay a crude blueprint of Prime City. The paper was handmade, the ink blotchy, and the edges creased. Still, every line was painstakingly drawn, and the measurements were precise. She'd made sure of that. Around her were gathered a few members of the rebel faction. Bruce Copeland, her right-hand man, Patty Fry, her trusted advisor, Stephen Yingling, a mole inside the watch, and Cat Muse, mistress to General Sykes and their latest recruit. She pointed at a building not far from the Prime Hotel. Right. My informant tells me that the last harvest has been stored there while awaiting processing and distribution. Informant? Cat asked, her dark eyes boring into Moran's. Who is this informant? That's for me to know, Cat, Moran replied, her tones clipped. She disliked being interrupted. How do we know we can trust this informant of yours? Cat persisted. Moran straightened up and pinned Cat to the spot with a sharp gaze. To her satisfaction, the woman began to squirm. Are you questioning my judgment, Cat? No, of course not, Cat said with haste, her cheeks flushed. Good. Then let's get back to business, Moran said, leaning forward once more. The harvest will only remain there for two more nights before it's removed and distributed. Once that happens, it's over. None of us will ever set eyes on that food again. So we need to make our move now, Patty mused, her head bobbing as she studied the map. Streaks of silver adorned her thick auburn hair, but she was still a handsome woman, and a tough one too. Exactly, Moran confirmed. We'll have to strike tomorrow night. How much are we talking here? Patty asked. We can't take everything. We have nowhere to hide such a large amount of food and no way to transport it either. The best we can do is a fifth, Moran said. A fifth? Cat exclaimed. It seems rather stupid to risk our lives for a few bags of fruit and vegetables. Trust me, Cat. A fifth is enough. It will keep the rebel faction going for most of the year, freeing us up for more important work, Moran explained. Besides, this won't be the last harvest. There will be one more around the end of the fall. And if we steal too much, the rest of Prime will starve. Senator Douglas will take what he needs and blame the shortage on us, Patty said. As it is, we donate some of our stores to the poorest of the poor. Whatever, Cat said with a shrug. But what about meat? 
The meat stores are running low. The hunting parties haven't been out for weeks under Douglas's orders. There's no point in raiding them now. That's too bad. For you, of course, Kat said, wrinkling her nose. Yes, I'm sure the rules don't apply to you, Bruce said with raised eyebrows. You must live quite well being the general's mistress and all. Kat smoothed her hands over her tiny waist. Perhaps, but this figure is not the result of overindulgence. I imagine you work very hard, Patty said, rolling her eyes. Kat bared her teeth. At least I still have what it takes to attract a man like Sykes, unlike most. Patty grumbled something underneath her breath, and Moran decided to step in before an argument broke out. The two women were not the best of friends. The rebel faction will just have to make do with dried fish for now. We still have a stash stored away. Ugh, I'm so tired of fish, Stephen exclaimed. Yeah, right. The watch eats better than the rest of us. So who are you to complain? Bruce asked in a friendly fashion. Stephen laughed and rubbed his belly. You have a point. It's the reason I joined. You had soup last night, didn't you? Bruce said, with real meat in it. Stephen nodded. And bread rolls, too. Bread rolls, Patty cried. Stephen smirked. The soft kind. That's not fair, Patty said. The last time I laid eyes on a bread roll was over a month ago, and it was full of twigs and seeds. I nearly broke a tooth. Stephen shrugged. We all know where the good flour goes. To the upper class and the watch, Kat said, examining her nails for minute flaws. Exactly. Patty ground her teeth, her fury plain for all to see. All right, everyone, that's enough talk about food, Moran said, raising both hands in the air. Can we get back to business, please? Fine, Patty grumbled, folding her arms. Fair enough, it's making me hungry anyway, Bruce said, pointing at the map. So, what do you need? A team of your best fighters, Moran said. How many? Bruce asked. At least 20, fully equipped with weapons and backpacks. We'll need wheelbarrows too, Moran said. Won't that make a lot of noise? Kat asked. Yes, that's why we have to make sure the watch is far away, Moran said. That's where you come in, Stephen. We need to know the guard's schedule. I'm on it. We'll also need a distraction, Moran said. I'll arrange for that. And I'll ready our stores, Patty said. Perfect. We'll convene again tomorrow at sunset to go over the details. For now, you all know what to do, Moran said. Except me, Kat said. What am I supposed to do? You keep the general and his men as far away from those stores as possible, Moran said. That's your job, Kat shrugged. That's easy enough. Then I'll see you all soon. Dismissed, Moran said, watching as Kat sauntered out of the room, her luscious hips swaying from side to side. Though she was in her mid-thirties already, the woman was untouched by time and a rare beauty by any standards. Do you think we can trust her? Patty shook her head. I don't know. She could be a spy for Sykes and Douglas. Or she could be sincere in her desire to see them burn. Either way, I don't like her. Most likely she's simply bored and looking for excitement. But we can use her for now, Moran said. Just to be on the safe side, though, arrange for a backup team and an alternative escape route during the raid. Will do, Patty said, gathering up the map and putting it away. Moran slumped into the nearest chair, allowing herself to relax for the first time that day. 
Being the rebel faction leader wasn't easy, and many a night she wished she could simply disappear, fade into the darkness, and never return. You miss her, don't you? Patty asked. Who, rogue? Moran said. Of course I miss her. It feels as if a part of me has been torn away, leaving a gaping hole in my heart. It's never easy losing a child, Patty said, her face crinkling with remembered grief. I still think about my Tobias every day. I know, and I'm so sorry, Patty, Moran said. Why don't you make us a cup of tea? It will fortify us both. That sounds like an excellent idea, Patty said, grabbing the kettle. While she bustled about, Moran stared into the hearth, her eyes following the flickering flames' patterns. In them, she saw Rogue, her daughter in all but blood. Petite, feisty, and beautiful. But that wasn't what made her so special. It was her heart, her boundless love and innocence despite everything she'd suffered. Yet the girl was no fool. Patty was right. It was hard to lose a child, but Rogue wasn't lost. She was out there somewhere, wandering the vast wilderness. Moran knew it, just like she knew she'd see Rogue again. Where are you, daughter? Hurry back, for I miss you sorely. Chapter 2 Dark blue curtains fluttered in the breeze, and Rogue stirred beneath the cool sheets. A broad beam of golden light shone through the gap and fell across her bed. She stretched, allowing each muscle to reawaken beneath the warmth of the sun. Her leg felt much better, and it was good to be alive. Young, strong, and healthy. The previous day's events rushed back, and her eyes snapped open wide. It all seemed like a dream now. A wondrous, unbelievable dream. One moment she was being held captive as a prime spy, and the next she was reunited with her long-lost mother. Who says miracles don't exist? Suddenly her bedroom door opened, and Olivia's head popped around the corner. Good morning, sleepyhead. Did you sleep well? Rogue grinned. Speak of the devil. Yes, thank you. I could get used to such luxury. Olivia frowned. Luxury? You call a bed luxury? Where I come from, yes, Rogue said. I'd like to hear more about this past life of yours, Olivia said with a frown. A sense of unease stirred within Rogue at the words. She wasn't exactly proud of everything she'd done in the past, no matter how necessary. Would her mother understand? Uh, sure. Come to breakfast, and we'll talk about it, Olivia added. Okay, I'll be right out, Rogue replied, slipping out of bed. Is there somewhere I can wash up? Of course. The bathroom's right down the hall next to the toilet. I put a few things out for you, including your clothes. I washed them last night after you went to bed. Thanks, but you didn't have to, Rogue protested. Oh, it was no bother, Olivia said, waving a hand. Now hurry up or your food will get cold. I'll be right there, Mom. The word felt strange to Rogue, and she rolled it around on her tongue. After their reunion, everything had seemed perfect. Now, however, she felt weird and out of place. Guess I'll just have to get used to it. Dressed in an old t-shirt Olivia had loaned her, she made her way to the toilet. It was a strange affair, one she'd used the night before after a quick tutorial. Unlike the smelly outhouses and bucket systems of Prime City, this was a compost toilet. It looked like a wooden box with a built-in seat 
and it automatically separated the urine and solid waste. One rinsed the funnel with a cup of water from the wash basin and sprinkled sawdust over the rest from a nearby bucket after use. We pipe water from the river, and a filtration system renders it drinkable. But we don't like to waste, therefore we use compost toilets. Besides, it produces an excellent fertilizer for the crops, Olivia had explained. You use it on your food? Rogue had asked with a shudder. Only after it has been composted properly, Olivia said. Don't you do the same at Prime? Rogue thought about it for a while. All that waste had to be disposed of somehow, and using it for manure made sense. Probably. I never worked in the fields, however, so I'm not sure. What did you do? Her mom asked. Uh, other... stuff, Rogue had said, avoiding the subject. Her mom had accepted the vague answer the night before, but now it was clear she wanted to learn more about her daughter's past. Could she handle it, though? The idea that her daughter was a thief? Even worse, a murderer. It's not your fault. You didn't kill those people in the market on purpose. Rogue shook her head. Maybe not, but the Quetzalcoatlus attacked because of her. In a way, it was her fault. Knowingly or not. Shaking off the morbid thoughts, Rogue ducked into the bathroom next door. There she halted in shocked surprise. She hadn't seen such a place in forever. Maybe before the shift, but definitely not after. It contained a shower, a wash basin, a full-length mirror, a rack of towels, and a wooden bench. On the bench lay a toothbrush, a hairbrush, a couple of hairbands, and her clothes. For a moment, Rogue forgot about her worries, eager for the chance to freshen up. She reached for the toothbrush, but stopped when her mom appeared again. Hey, sweetie, there's no hot water. The past few rainy days drained the battery banks, and the solar panels haven't had a chance to recharge yet. You mean there's water in the shower? Rogue asked. Actual running water? Well, yeah, but it's cold, Olivia said. I don't care, Rogue cried. I'm jumping in. What about your food? Olivia protested. I don't mind cold food either, Rogue said with a wide grin. Okay, Olivia said with a shrug. I'll wait. Thanks. Oh, before I go, we make our own toothpaste, soap, and shampoo. It's over there, Olivia said, pointing at the wash basin. After a brief but invigorating shower, Rogue brushed her teeth using a dab of powder from a little pot. It was different from what she was used to. In Prime, they used wood ashes or charcoal to clean their teeth. But Olivia's mixture tasted like salt and peppermint, a decided improvement. The soap was a lot nicer, too. The creamy bar smelled of lemons and left her skin feeling squeaky clean, while the shampoo rendered her hair soft to the touch. Dressed in the outfit Seth had given her, black tights, a red shirt, a light canvas jacket, and hiking boots, she secured her belt and machete around her waist. Refreshed, Rogue made her way to the breakfast table. The air smelled of freshly baked bread and fried onions, a combination that had her stomach rumbling with desperate longing. Mmm, that smells delicious. Olivia flashed her a smile. I hope you're hungry. I made plenty. Oh, I could eat a T-Rex, Rogue said, pulling out a chair. She sat down and watched her mother bustle around the kitchen, putting the final touches on the meal. The older woman looked relaxed and happy. Her thick, braided hair was still dark, with only a few silver strands to show her age. 
Her tanned skin glowed with health against the white cotton shirt and beige slacks she wore. Olivia's home reflected that same effortless grace. The place was small but homey. A two-bedroom cottage with a kitchen, living room, and a patio that overlooked a flourishing herb garden. The furnishings were simple, mostly plain wooden furniture covered in homemade cushions. There was even a bowl filled with fresh fruit in the middle of the table. Rogue reached for an orange, rolling it between her palms. She pressed it to her nose, inhaling the sharp smell of citrus. It appeared that life in the prehistoric world had been good to Olivia, and Rogue felt the faint sting of envy. She tucked the orange into her jacket after a furtive look at her mother's turned back. The gesture was automatic, a habit learned from years of stealing food from the market stalls. While Moran had done her best to provide for Rogue, there were times when it couldn't be done. Lean times, hard times. Even when Rogue was grown, she'd often go her own way for days on end. She'd leave Moran to manage the rebels while wandering the streets of Prime. Searching, always searching. She'd never known what she was looking for with such quiet desperation until now. Family. I was looking for my family. A flash of guilt sent her hand flying back into her pocket. She removed the offending fruit and placed it back in the bowl. You're not a thief anymore, Rogue. Not here. At that moment, Olivia turned around with two loaded plates in her hands. Here you go, sweetie. Eat up. And don't be afraid to ask for more. There's plenty to go around. Rogue flashed her a guilty smile as she snatched back her hand from the fruit bowl. Thank you, uh, Mom. I appreciate it. Anything for my Lillian, Olivia said, taking the chair opposite Rogue. Rogue shifted in her seat, her sense of guilt intensifying in the face of her mother's love. Would Olivia still feel that way once she got to know her? Or would she be horrified at the things Rogue had done? That Lillian had done? Chapter 3 Olivia settled into her chair, her eyes never leaving her daughter's face. I still can't quite believe you're here. Every time I look at you, I want to pinch myself to make sure it's not a dream. You do? Rogue asked, her cheeks flooding with hot blood. Of course. You're my daughter. My family. I've been thinking of this moment forever, Olivia replied. Rogue squirmed beneath her mother's ardent gaze. I... I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm happy to be here, of course. As long as we're together, that's all that matters, Olivia replied. She reached across the table and squeezed her daughter's hand. Rogue stared at their intertwined fingers and a sudden lump formed in her throat. She wasn't used to such open displays of emotion. Moran had taught her to be strong, and sentiment played little role in their lives. They loved each other, but it was something they felt rather than showed. Clearing her throat, she pulled her hand back into her lap. A flash of disappointment crossed Olivia's face, but she covered it with a broad smile. Would you like some bread? Yes, please. Rogue said, taking a slice from the proffered basket. It was still warm with a thick, flaky crust. You made it? I baked it especially for you, Olivia said with a nod. She pointed at a tray filled with little pots of all shapes and sizes. There's butter and jam if you'd like. Preserves, too. Rogue stared at the tray in disbelief. She hadn't seen such an array in years, and her mouth watered. 
She reached for a knife and slathered on a thick layer of the creamy butter. Where did you get this all of this? Olivia grinned. That, my dear, is made from camel's milk. Rogue stared at her, the butter knife froze in midair. Camel's milk, like from a real camel? Olivia nodded. When the shift happened, the zoo animals came with it. The staff tried to keep them alive, but most died. Either from disease or because they couldn't handle the climate. It's a lot hotter here. Rogue winced, remembering the sweltering midsummer heat that struck each year without fail. Tell me about it. Some had to be put down like the tigers and so on. They'd never survive in the wild, and feeding them was too difficult. That's too bad, Rogue said, wishing she could have seen a tiger in real life. Sadly, she would never have the chance. Anyway, Olivia said with a small wave of her hand, some of the animals survived, and a few even flourished. Like the camels? Rogue asked. Exactly. We breed them like cattle, and they provide us with milk, cream, butter, and occasionally meat, Olivia said. Interesting, Rogue said, reaching for a pot of jam. She eyed the ruby-colored concoction with a dubious frown. What is this made from? Berry jam made from native berries, Olivia said. Native berries? I thought they were mostly poisonous, Rogue mumbled, testing a bit of the jam with her finger. It was tart but also sweet at the same time. Not all of it. A lot of the indigenous plants can be eaten or used for medicine. You just have to know which and how, Olivia said. Honestly, I'm surprised you didn't know that. I'd never even seen any of the local plants before I got kicked out of Prime, Rogue replied. Seth showed me a few of them, but I don't know much about the different varieties. If that's true, how have you Prime survived all this time? Olivia asked with an incredulous look. Rogue shrugged, gazing at her mother. We've been living off the stores that Douglas accumulated before and after the shift. Before? Olivia said. Uh-huh, Rogue said with a nod. Moran says he must have known about the shift before it happened. Probably because of his higher-up connections. She says he planned for it. Who's this Moran you talk about? Olivia asked. Er, nobody. Just a friend, Rogue said, dropping her gaze to the tray. She replaced the berry jam and pretended to look at the other preserves. So that's it, Olivia said. The whole city's been scrounging off Douglas's stores for the past 20 years? Well, he sent out a bunch of raiding parties after the shift to strip the city and nearby farms of supplies. We also grow some of our food, and we have a few farm animals. Then there are the hunting parties. We get meat and hides from that. Rogue said. Even so, there's never enough to go around, and Douglas takes the lion's share. It's no wonder you're so skinny, poor child. Growing up in a place like that, Olivia said with a shake of her head. We exiles haven't always had it easy either, but we live off the land. We have much to be thankful for. I can see that, Rogue said, taking a bite of the buttered bread. Then her eyes fell to her plate, and she froze. Her hands began to shake, and her fingers closed around the crust of bread until crumbs littered the table. Are those eggs? Yes, I bartered an extra loaf of bread for them, Olivia said with a broad grin. I wanted to give you a proper welcome this morning. Rogue stared at the two eggs, fried to perfection, and nestled within a bed of onions. A slice of smoked meat rounded out the meal, and her stomach cramped with eager hunger.
But the only thing she could think of was that day in the market. As much as she wanted to, she couldn't forget. It haunted her dreams, and many a night she woke up in a cold sweat with the sour taste of guilt in her mouth. Her mind flashed back to that afternoon, and she relived it all once more. The heat, the press of unwashed bodies, and the basket with its cargo of precious eggs. The screams and the terror followed by the smell of fresh blood. The bodies. So many died, and all because of one stupid egg. Lillian, are you okay? Olivia asked, her face creased with concern. Rogue swallowed hard on the knot in her throat, but she managed a tremulous smile. I'm fine. Just surprised, that's all. Are you sure? You look a little pale, Olivia said. I'm all right, I promise, Rogue said, her smile intensifying. She quickly placed the squashed slice of bread down on her plate and wiped her fingers free of butter and jam. The last thing she needed was more questions. Oh, good. You had me worried there for a minute, Olivia said with a sigh of relief. I'm tougher than I look, Rogue said. She pushed the lingering echoes of fear away and picked up her knife and fork. With resolute determination, she cut into the egg and raised it to her mouth. The golden yolk oozed over her tongue and she fought the urge to gag. Olivia stared at her with eager expectation. Did I make it right? You used to like them sunny side up as a child. It's delicious. Rogue forced herself to swallow and take a second bite. She couldn't bear to see her mother disappointed after all the effort she'd gone to. I'm glad to hear that. You're going to need your energy today, especially with the outing I've arranged for you, Olivia said. Outing? Rogue asked with a sense of foreboding. What outing? Oh, I'm quite sure you'll love it, Olivia said, leaning forward in her chair. What is it? Rogue pressed. We're going egg hunting today, Olivia cried. Rogue stared at her mother without blinking. Her fingers curled around the knife and fork until her knuckles turned white. A hysterical giggle bubbled up her throat and threatened to burst free. Egg hunting? Exactly. It's a lot of fun. Just you wait and see, Olivia explained. You'll get to meet a few people, maybe even make some friends. Her mother's excited babbling faded into the background while Rogue struggled to finish her food. She was no longer hungry, and her stomach churned at the thought of going after more eggs. It seems I can't escape the stupid things no matter what I do. Karma can be a real bitch sometimes. There's a secret once hidden, a treasure the ancients used daily. It's turmeric, the golden spice of life. In the heart of ancient India, this revered root was more than a culinary delight. It was a symbol of purity, a source of wellness. Novel Nutrition brings this secret to you with our fire supplement. Each fire gummy is a nod to those ancient traditions, harnessing the natural, powerful anti-inflammatory and antioxidant benefits that have supported health and vitality for centuries. Nab your supply of Novel Nutrition's fire by clicking the link in the description and using code BOOKTV for a 20% discount. Read more. Live more. Be more. Chapter 4 After breakfast, Rogue helped Olivia to clear the table and wash the dirty dishes. She didn't mind the work. It kept her hands busy and enabled her to keep her head down. One look at her expression and Olivia would know something was wrong. 
This is something we do once a year, Olivia explained as she dried a plate with a rough cloth. When the eggs are almost ready to hatch, we harvest a bunch and bring them back here to raise. Raise? Rogue asked with disbelief. You raise dinosaurs? Of course we do. We couldn't survive without them, and it's much safer than hunting the creatures out in the wild. Too much can go wrong. Safer? Rogue repeated in a faint voice. Her mind filled with the images of little T-Rexes and Utah raptors running around the camp, and she shuddered. How can it possibly be safer? We only raise herbivores, obviously. The smaller varieties like the Zuniceratops, the Parxosaurus, and the Stegoceras, Olivia said. We keep them inside a few of the old animal enclosures. They're quite secure, I promise. Rogue grimaced. She'd already had a close encounter with the territorial Zuniceratops. The feisty beasts nearly killed her that morning in the van. She'd barely escaped with her life. Raising them like farm animals was almost beyond her ability to fathom. Olivia eyed her with shrewd intensity. You haven't had much experience with the outside world, have you? No, I haven't. Nobody in Prime has except for the raiding and hunting parties. The rest of us never set foot outside the walls. It's forbidden. I couldn't imagine living like that, Olivia murmured. Shut away from nature forever. Prime is different, I guess. We all lived in fear. We still do, I suppose, Rogue said with a somber shake of the head. It's not like this place at all. We call it the zoo, sweetie. That's what it used to be, and that's what it still is, in a way, Olivia said. Uh-huh. And you call yourselves the Exiles? Rogue asked. That's right. Why? Because we were taken from our homes and sent here, Olivia explained. Whether by accident or intent, we live in exile. I suppose that's true, Rogue said staring at her hands immersed in the soapy water. So, the egg hunting thing, tell me more. It's simple, really. Long ago, we discovered an open field where the herbivores gather together to make their nests. Once a year, we raid those nests and collect as many eggs as we can carry. Isn't that dangerous? Rogue asked. It can be if you're not careful, Olivia said. But we haven't had a serious injury or death in years. Rick always leads the party and he never takes any chances. What about predators? Raptors? Won't they hang around such a big gathering of herbivores? Rogue said. The field is very sheltered. The river runs along one side with a cliff and a waterfall on the other. It's not that easy for predators to approach, especially when faced by a whole herd of aggressive mamas, Olivia explained. Yeah, that's another thing. What about the parents? They're not just going to stand by while we run off with their eggs, are they? Rogue said. Oh, we're cautious. We make sure to stay downwind and hidden at all times. It's a snatch-and-grab operation, Olivia said. Rogue chewed on her bottom lip. The whole thing seemed outlandish to her. Er, sounds like fun. Olivia turned to her, her expression serious. Look, Lillian, I'll understand if you don't want to go. This must seem very daunting to you. It's not that. I can handle fear. Going over the wall was the hardest thing I've ever had to do, but I survived. I mean, I almost died, but... Rogue said with a small laugh. Here I am, alive and kicking despite the best efforts of several varieties of dinosaurs. What is it then? Olivia asked. 
I'm a little overwhelmed, that's all, Rogue said, unwilling to admit her true concerns. What could she tell her mother after all? That she had an egg phobia? You'll be fine, Lillian, Olivia replied. Seth told me about some of your adventures. The Clidastes, the Utah Raptors, and walking for miles in the rain with a serious injury. He did? Rogue asked, worry piercing her heart. How much did he tell you? Enough to know that you're strong and brave. You can do this. I know you can, Olivia said with a reassuring smile. Rogue heaved an inner sigh of relief. Seth clearly hadn't told her mother why she was kicked out of Prime, and he'd better not unless he wants to be fed to a bunch of raptors. Anyway, today's outing is of the utmost importance for you, Olivia continued. Why? Rogue asked, drying her hands on a cloth. Over the years, this egg hunt has become an annual event of sorts, a rite of passage for our young people, Olivia said. I don't understand, Rogue said. It's a way for them to prove that they're grown up, that they're ready to take on adult responsibilities. What does that have to do with me? I'm not a kid anymore. I'm 25 years old, Rogue protested. I know, but it'll show that you're willing to contribute to the community, Olivia said, spreading her hands. I'm willing to help. Just show me what I must do. Plant, clean, build. I'm prepared to work, Rogue said. It's not that simple, Olivia said, her face somber. You're a prime, and most of the people here don't trust you, neither you nor Seth. Rogue snorted. Yeah, I sort of gathered that when we were beaten and locked up just for showing up. Crimson blood stained Olivia's cheeks. I'm sorry about that, but you must try to understand. We feared and hated the primes for two decades now. That sort of emotion doesn't go away overnight. But that's ridiculous. Rogue cried. We primes aren't all bad. It's Douglas and a select few who run the show. Try to see it from our point of view, sweetheart, Olivia pleaded. All these years you've spent safely tucked away behind your walls while we were stuck out here. Maybe, but you've had the better end of the bargain, Rogue said. I mean, look at this place. You live in good homes with real beds and decent food. You even have running water. Hot water. It wasn't always like that, Olivia said with a sad shake of her head. The first few years were awful. We lost a lot of people through constant attacks, hunger, disease, and exposure. Rogue sighed. It was the same for us, Mom. The only difference is things have gotten better for you, while it's grown worse for us. We didn't know that, sweetie. All we remember is being turned away at gunpoint from the walls of Prime. But you get it now, right? You have to. I'm here as a witness, and so is Seth, Rogue said. I know, but people can be stubborn. It'll be hard to change years of ingrained hatred and distrust, Olivia said. That's why it's so critical that you take part today. Rogue sagged against the cupboard. I suppose I don't have a choice. It's the right thing to do. It will win you some much-needed favor with the exiles, especially if you still want to petition the council for their help in freeing Prime. I do, Rogue said. The need to save Moran and the others burned like a hot fire in her belly. She couldn't leave them there to rot, especially now that she knew what life could be like outside the walls. Then it's settled. We're going, Olivia said, her eyes sparkling. Her enthusiasm was catching, 
and Rogue found herself grinning. I guess so. Seth will be there, Olivia said with a teasing smile. I know you want to see him again. Mom, Rogue groaned. It's not like that. Isn't it? Olivia said, cocking her head. He's a handsome young man and you're both single. Seriously? You're playing matchmaker so soon? Why not? I've always wanted grandkids. Rogue gaped at her mother. You've got to be kidding me. It's only been one day and you're already thinking about me having babies? Sure. I'm not getting any younger, Olivia said with a rueful shrug. I wouldn't mind the pitter-patter of little feet around the... Rogue threw her hands in the air. Enough! I'm not listening to any more of this. Can we go now? Okay, okay, calm down, Olivia said with a chuckle. She removed a couple of backpacks from a cupboard and tossed one to Rogue. I took the liberty of packing for you. Thanks, I guess, Rogue grumbled, shrugging the backpack onto her shoulders. Ready? Olivia asked. As ready as I'll ever be, Rogue said, resigned to a day spent in the company of strangers. But Olivia was right on both counts. Rogue did need to curry favor with the exiles, and she wanted to see Seth again. A lot more than she was willing to admit to her mother, or even herself. As we close today's captivating episode on Book TV, don't forget to check out Novel Nutrition. Tailored for book lovers, our supplements are designed to complement your reading lifestyle. Use code BOOKTV for a 20% discount on your first order at novelnutrition.co. Enhance your reading experience with Novel Nutrition, and don't forget that every purchase helps support an author.